it's a shift in generation of guys that like they're realizing that health and fitness is kind of a, a catalyst to being able to play more and play better. If I have the capacity to play better, then it's like, first of all, hockey gets easier, which makes hockey more fun. And then you get to play more games. Uh, you know, you do see this kind of performance decline, right? It's natural in everyone. You start to you know get a little bit older, maybe a couple extra LBs. And it's like, you start to slow down. It's like, if we can keep you not doing that and keep you healthy, right? And then also, you know, just keep you active, bulletproof from injuries, then it's like, okay, well, hockey's more fun and it's going to be more fun for decades to come. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Cubicle Athlete. I am your host, Derek. And on today's episode, we have Coach Kyle from Relentless Hockey. Kyle is a strength and conditioning coach and his company specializes in offering online hockey-specific strength and conditioning programs. You can find them at relentlesshockey.com. I've used them, I've gotten a lot of benefit from them, and I highly recommend them if you're a hockey player. Kyle has a wealth of knowledge in the world of strength and conditioning. It was awesome to pick his brain and get to chat with him. I had a lot of fun with this one. So without further ado, let's start the show. Well, yeah, so to start off, I think the, the perfect place to, to begin this is to ask exactly what Relentless Hockey is, how you started it, why you started it. We kind of got a little bit into that before I started recording, and uh, we could keep yeah. going from there. Yeah, we were vibing before we even got going. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, you know, Relentless was obviously built to kind of take strength and conditioning um you know to the players right so i mean i looked at it uh, both as a player when i was still playing and then as a strength coach there was a real divide between call it kind of the have and the have nots right like the guys that had access to the top coaches um you know were spending the top money right um and and sometimes it was a money thing and sometimes it was just straight up a, a geography thing right like the players in the east coast where i played hockey uh, just didn't have access to the same level of strength and conditioning that they did in the in the GTA in the hotbed of the hockey world, right? So, relentless, you know, kind of transition from that. Hey, like we're doing a lot of in-person stuff. We are becoming that coach, right? Of uh, you know, a lot of players are coming to us. You know, when you know when relentless was in its heyday of of in-person training, we had players coming from Yellowknife down. We had a great player come from Beijing, China. You know, so we had a lot of players that were coming to us and and. For me, it was one of those things where it's like, hey, like as a as an up and coming player, like I didn't have access to those those strength and conditioning coaches, right? Like we had kind of one one big name, you know, kind of guy in town, and um, I think a summer with him was like twenty five or three three grand, right? And that's you know probably a decade or two ago, right? Like a while back. So I didn't have access to that. So it was like I was always jamming kind of programs together, seeing what I could find online. So when I kind of got in the position of doing that same thing, almost it was like, okay, why don't I start to build the resources for players? regardless of where they're at, you know, whether it is financially or where they're at in the world, it's like they have access to that top strength and addition. Right? At, so at this that's point, kind of been the goal. Like I, I like to say it's like we're democratizing. Yes. Go ahead. Oh, so, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Just to butt in, sorry to interrupt uh, at this point, when you decided to do that, did you already have your degree in, in, and I always mess up this word. So let me know if I'm pronouncing yeah. it. All right. Kinesiology. Is that what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty, pretty close. Uh, kinesiology. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, if, to, to give you just a high level kind of rapid fire kind of brief, like I, I was an active player, like played junior, ended up getting recruited to University of Toronto where, where I, I earned that bachelor's of kinesiology, um, you know, and, and was coaching basically the whole time. Because, again, it was one of those things where it's like, I'm, you know, I, I got involved. Like this was a passion of mine kind of right as I was a player. Um, you know, started to work with the young guys at the local gym and then kind of just screw my active coaching business. So when I was still doing my degree, 
um, I had like an active kind of full-time business on the side. Right. Um, and then transitioned supernaturally after all my interns, you know, and stuff like that, like to, to just having my own business. And, um, you know, it, it kind of just grew and grew and grew as one of those things that kind of, you know, kind of came like the, the hot place to train in the off season, right. Where we had the, all the junior guys kind of start to pill over and then, uh, was super popular with the, there was no one that was really putting together like female programs. So, you know, that kind of popped off for us originally it was like high level junior players uh, on the women's side of the game that didn't really have access to that high level strength and conditioning coach that, you know, they were either out training with the boys or, you know, they were on their own, but it was one of those things that was like, that was a, an early catalyst to the business. Um, and then it was one of those things that was like, as the business was kind of full board running, started to say like, Hey, like I, this is something I want to take. Uh, you know, international and online and, and started to democratize, you know, strength and conditioning where it's not, you don't have to be here to see me. You don't have to spend the big money to see me, right? Like the same, literally we have programs right now that are selling like our off-season program, our explosive power program is almost identical to one of our off-season programs that we did in person, you know, like two grand a summer, right? So, um, which again, like the places where I internshiped, like that was 10 grand a summer, right? For that exact same program. So it's one of those things where it's like, we've, we've bottled it down into something where it's like, hey, like this is, you know, a player of all level. And, and, and they say like, hey, build a business around what you wished you had, right? Um, and it's like, this is exactly what I wish I had when I was a young player it was like, hey, like this guy's putting together the exact program that the, the guys that are making millions and are comfortable dropping 10, 10, 15 grand on, you know, in the off season, um, you know, I, I can get it for, you know, whatever the price point, you know, a couple hundred bucks, right. Something like that. Right. So um, yeah, I mean, that, that's basically it, right. It's like, it's, it's been that transition and it you know, kind of continues to grow solely online. Yeah. So it's solely online. Are you not taking any in-person clients at the moment? I mean, I don't know if COVID. No. Probably. Yeah. So obviously, yeah a fun, fun kind of transition around COVID, but it's funny, like I had actually transitioned that January, you know, kind of the, the dawn of COVID if we'll, yeah. if we'll call it that, but transition to being fully online, um, you know, and, and then next summer again, like, cause it's kind of being everywhere. So the guys I did work in person with, we like, we, did, we set up like custom coaching programs, stuff like that to kind of look after them. Um, but next summer we'll like to get back in the in-person game of just, just more so the speed and conditioning work, right. Where it's like, you want to, you want to get gnarly with guys. You really want to get aggressive, push the pace. Um, but I mean, a lot of players, it's funny, like so many are obsessed with training at home now, right? Like yeah. our high level guys, right. Like the, the actual pro guys, it's like, they, they spend the money to build out a gym, right. It's like, they have it at home now. It's like, they can do it on their own time. Like they don't need a, you know, book their life around me. Right. It's like they're following the program. They're happy. So it's not something I've ruled out. Right. Cause it's, it is like a passion. Like I do love working with the, you know, the young guys, the, the pros, the lead players, like it's, it is a passion and it's fun. Right. It genuinely is fun. But uh, for me, it's probably just going to be one of those off season things going forward. Cause it's, it's uh, that's when the fun happens, right. The in season stuff can be a little, a little daunting sometimes. Sure. Yeah, I got to tell you from my experience, man, I spent a good 20 plus years of going to the gym and doing a, a little bullshit bodybuilding style type of uh, program that maybe didn't contribute much to my athleticism, but uh, more so to my injuries. Um, but once COVID yeah. hit and I canceled that that gym membership and just finding a couple of things online here and there, and then I come across a site like yours and start doing these workouts that I find that's like, not only is it allowing me to, to exercise and, and, you know, move, um, it's also within a world that I enjoy. And it's like, I have this 
thing in my mind now, as opposed to like, Hey, I just want to bench press uh, X amount. Now it's like, Hey, I want to do this so I could perform better on the ice, even though I'm only playing beer league, beer league's more fun when I'm better, you know? Like, yeah. So that's the way I've always approached it. And I just, yeah. And it's, yeah, no, it's, and it's funny name because it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, kind of give you some secret sauce behind the business. It's like our best selling programs are our beer league program, right? Like we've got a program called the weekend warrior and it's like, it's the one that, significantly sells better than some of the other ones. Right. And so it's like, how we work with all the, you know, these big fancy like players and this and that. And it's like, yeah, but the business is like kind of led by the the guys that just want to get better. And I think it's, it's a shift in generation of guys that like they're realizing that health and fitness is kind of a, a catalyst to being able to play more and play better. Right. So it's like, even if you're not playing uh, you, you don't want to get, go from like the B league to the A league, right. Or D to C wherever you're at. It's like, okay, well, if I, if I have the capacity to play better then it's like, first of all, hockey gets easier, which makes hockey more fun. Right. And then you get to play more games. Right. And you, you can, uh, you know, you do see this kind of performance decline, right. It's natural. in everyone, you start to you know get a little bit older, maybe a couple extra LBs. And it's like, you start to slow down. It's like, if we can keep you not doing that and keep you healthy. Right. And then also, uh, you know, just keep you active, bulletproof from injuries, you know, stuff like that, then it's like, okay, well, hockey's more fun and it's going to be more fun for decades to come. Right. And that's, that's as, as funny as it's like a lot of guys, I think in my profession, like wouldn't create programs towards the, the beer league kind of crew. It's like, it is genuinely a passion of mine. Cause it's like, Hey, like these guys are enjoying these workouts and it does, it has impact. Yeah. Well, I think it was the perfect storm for that with COVID. I don't know if I would have stumbled right. upon a, a lot of like your company, there's other ones and like YouTube videos, Instagram channels, like the access that we have to these things. Now it's, it's incredible. And because of COVID having to cancel the gym membership, having to work out from, from home, it's like, well, yeah. like I kind of know what I'm doing, but not really, you know what I mean? Like I, I need help from yeah. someone like yeah. you to tell me what to do here, even though I've, you yeah. know, I've been in involved in my own health and fitness for so long, but it's like, I kind of need the guidance from someone yeah. who's an expert just to go a little further into that. Uh, so I, I, I played hockey up until I was like 14, 15 or so. And I quit and I picked it back up at 30. And when I picked it back up at 30, obviously it was, you know, like I said, that's I a, always was lifting weights, but uh, I was like, Oh, this is a completely different you know, style of, of, or completely different need for conditioning and, and, and strength. So I was just trying to keep in mind when I was going to the gym, Hey, like, I just want to be better on the ice. And I'd come up with my own little workouts and then when I come across a guy like you, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is way better. Like, this is telling me what to do, when to do it, yeah. uh, even why to do it, you know, in some cases. And, and, and I love that. It's, it's awesome. So it's like I was saying before we started recording, I think it's an awesome company. Um, and what you're doing is great. All the, even the free content you provide, which is what I came across first. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm buying these bands and I'm going to start doing this in the garage. And, and I've already felt it. It helps yeah. a lot. It really has helped a lot. So yeah yeah i love it um love that. so uh i guess this goes into a, a question that i had sent you previously that I, I really wanted to dig deep into exactly what a sports specific program is like what makes it sports specific uh compared to the the bullshit that i was doing before like a bodybuilding like hey monday it, it, it's chess and tries day on monday yeah. that's what everybody does you know <laughs> so what, like what exactly yeah. makes it uh, a sports specific program yeah. I mean, look, that's a great question. So first of all, it's like, as much as it's tailored to the hockey player, it's really one of those things where like, I think most athletes would thrive on, on this style of training. Um, now you start to look around some of the college programs, right? Like, obviously I'm, I'm in touch with, 
you know, multiple strength coaches across the NCAA. And it's like, there's a shift to this style of training, right? Where it is, uh, you know, as much as this is almost like a dirty word in the industry, but it is functional style training, right? It's, it's utilizing different movement patterns um, and truly kind of challenging and enhancing your ability to move at the end of the day. It's, it's, you know, you can get as strong as you want. If you aren't connecting some of these chains better, it's one of those things that it's not going to translate anywhere. Right. So, you know, you could be, you know, if you're a big bench press guy, or even, even let's use the squat, like you could have the heaviest squat in the world. Right. But it's one of those things. It's like, if you can't balance on a single leg, right. It's like, is it translating when it matters? So it's one of those things where it's like this, this, as much as we call it like sports specific training, like I'd love to see average Joe training this way. Right. Um, it's the way I train personally. Right. It's, it's the way I have a lot of my friends training too. Cause it's one of those things where it's like, this is how you stay healthy. This is the movement patterns that, you know, you need to actively improve on. Um, and it's not, it's not, you know, chest and tries, right. <laughs> right. It's, it truly is like, let's build, let's build those chains, man. And, and once you kind of get into that style of training, like understanding of like, Oh, well, you know what, like I can improve this specific asset and it's going to improve this. Then it's, it's kind of breaks you away from just looking at singular body parts, which is game changing as like a mover, right. Not just like a specific athlete. So to answer a little further, like we, we do tailor some stuff to hockey, right? Like obviously there's, it's, if you were to look at probably 80% of it could be used kind of with any athlete, but there are, are there are elements that can obviously be like a little custom tailored. Like we put a little more emphasis on single leg work that we might not use with a football player if, if we were to work with, you know, someone like that. But generally like 80, 90% of it, I'd say this is athlete training. And then we kind of layer on that hockey specific, you know, kind of movements on top of that. Yeah. Well, yeah. Cause hockey is a weird one. It's, it's, I feel like it, uh, and you could probably speak on this a lot more intelligently than I can, but it's just so like not natural movements, you know, it's not like, uh, like all the other sports are running, yeah. jumping, throwing, they're all very natural movements. We've all evolved as human beings to do those things, but ice skating is yeah. weird being on ice skates. It's weird. You're skating on ice. Your, your hips are used in a way that maybe they're not necessarily supposed to be used um if it, yeah. i don't know if i'm I mean, co- like, completely on uh, correct with that but that's no dude you're on point right it, it's one of those things it's like did humans evolve to push at a 45 degree angle on ice <laughs> just thousands of times you know in right. an hour it's like no man like yeah. that's not a natural human movement but it is one of those things where it's like hey like it, that's why most hockey players they start young right and it's like they have obviously kind of adapted their body to be able to move and generate power in this way. So it's, it is uniquely different. Even from you look at a sprinter, it's like they have this, uh, you know, reach kind of grab pull in that like sprint mechanic where it's like, we're never reaching in hockey, right? Like we're not, we're never taking a forward stride. Like everything's propulsion based, you know, even the quick little steps that you would use in like a basketball game of like little jabs, it's like you fundamentally can't make little jabs on ice, right? Like everything's propulsion based. Like you're, you can't even just stop your movement, right? If you're dribbling on, on a basketball court, you, you can fundamentally stop and look around. It's like, no, no, you have to express force to stop on ice, right? Cause you already have forward momentum. So it's one of those things where it's like, there is such a demand on the body. And it's, it's why the beer league guys, I, I truly feel like are, are starting to understand this like strength conditioning a little bit more. It's because there's such a demand on the body for hockey players where it's all power, it's all power and strength. Uh, and it's your ability in everything, whether it is from shooting to passing, to stopping to everything's power related. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's is it a is it a normal human capacity to be able to do some of these movements on like as if we're walking? 
no, but it's, it is one of those things like we can improve the, the attributes of translate. Yeah. And I, I mean, from my experience, I've had numerous knee injuries, a lot of them, I'm, I'm, I'm always dealing with them, but for some reason, it seems like hockey never really aggravates my knees. And I guess it's just a lack of impact. I'm gliding on ice. I'm not jumping. Yeah. And yeah. like, like I used to play a lot of basketball. I used to do a lot of snowboarding. I can't do those two things anymore, but I could play hockey two, three times a week and my yeah. knees are fine. And a lot of these types of programs, I've done a lot of physical therapy. So I incorporate some of what I've done in physical therapy. I incorporate some of your workouts that you put out in your programs, also the free content that you put out and it helps a lot, but that's, what's interesting. It's like, I've always think about it a lot, like these unnatural movements, but it doesn't aggravate my, my knees. Like it's, it's kind of, uh, but my hips are feeling a little weird sometimes now as I'm aging too. It's yeah. like, Oh, these hip, <laughs> hip flexors are getting a little, yeah. a little weird at times. So there's a lot of stuff that I'm trying to do to, to, to figure that out. And I, I might need your, your expertise yeah. on that. Um, but no, yeah, I mean, Hey, physiotherapists call them hockey hits, man. Right. Like yeah. it's, it's like this, like phenomenon that's just known, right. It's like, they just all hockey players have these gnarly hips, which is completely natural. And if you're not looking after them, it's, it is just like, it's going to get gnarly. Right. So yeah, um, yeah I mean the, the knee stuff, super interesting. I mean, a lot of, a lot of players do have some issues, but like the knee is, is, is literally the middle child. It gets blamed for everything, but it's always yeah, an issue coming below and, and above. It's like, normally if, if we see a guy that, that is coming in with like a hockey player and I'm going off side tangent, I don't even know if this is the question, no, you're but good. You're if good, there's yeah. a player that, yeah, if there's a player that's coming in with, with knee issues, it's usually, you know, below or above, which means it's usually the ankle, it's usually the hip. So, and I mean, if hockey players nine times out of 10, you can guess it's the hip. So I'd be super curious, like with a guy with you, and it's like, this is what we put our, our elite players through is like movement screening. Um, it's like, is, is that restriction of a hockey boot, you know, kind of giving you that stability in the ankle, which then is, is kind of allowing you to create greater stability up chain with the knees. And so it's like, you're not having as much issues. Right. But, you know, you, you could say the same with the snowboard boot. So, you know, it, it's, it's tough. It's, it's like yeah. the kind of a combination of all those things and then not having that like jump and land and then those kind of aggressive jabs. Um, but yeah, the hockey, hockey hits, man, it's like, it's in, and it's one of probably if like we put out a question being like, Hey, like, what can we help you with on, on Instagram or anything like that? If you're like, how do I fix my hockey? Like how I have tight hips. Like you know, they hurt all the time. It's like, okay, well it's why we're also creating like nonstop resources around mobility and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, the hockey hips are notorious. Yeah. And it doesn't help in 2021, the world we live in today, we're at our computers like 24 hours a day yeah. and then the shortening of the hip flexor because we're sitting all day and all that, <laughs> yeah. which I've heard this and I don't know if it's necessarily true. Maybe you could touch on it is uh because we're in, in hockey skates so much in the boot being pretty stiff, does that kind of lock the, the ankle mobility? Are you seeing a lot of ankle issues and like tightening of Achilles tendons and anything like that? Yeah. 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 It's uh, I mean, you have to look at like envision it of like, where else do you see someone who just lives in a cast boot and does all of their movements in that cast boot and then thinks that they're going to have completely functional ankles. It's just this bizarre phenomenon. So it's one of those things that we attack right like straight up with all of our players because they when we were still seeing them like in person it's like they would all come back in the off season and it was like the first thing we'd seen like oh my goodness so that it wasn't was it good or bad it was like what degree of bad is it right now it's one of those things like you have to be active in it right and it's it is something that we find pretty easy to fix like we just throw our toes up even on like a foam roller and kind of just like glide that knee forward and basically just hold it there for two minutes and we find that they start to release super quick but yeah i mean it's it's one of those things hockey players need to be active in that because they do literally and, and i mean 
you're on the ice a couple times a week. Like the, you know, imagine the guys are spending 10 to 15 hours on the ice a week. Right. Like a, it blows my mind. In a boot, yeah. man. Like it's literally a cast. Yeah. yeah. So it's uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely gnarly. And it's, that's a good point. Like it is an area where as much as there's so many guys focusing on like my hips, my low back, my hips, my low back, it's like, let's look at that ankle. Right. Cause it is all interconnected and it's just a, another notorious, you know, kind of hockey attribute. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're all bad on me. So there's, <laughs> there's a, lot, a lot of work <laughs> yeah. that needs yeah, yeah. to get done there. Um, and that, that kind of brings me to another question of the, just the asymmetry of hockey. I feel like the, uh, the use mm-hmm. of a hockey stick kind of puts our upper body in this position and like just shooting, passing, stick handling. We're, we're so asymmetrical, particularly to the upper body. Um, do you put a lot of emphasis on that in training to try to counterbalance that and, and get a little more symmetrical in the training? That is a phenomenal question. Cause it's like so many guys come in and they, they can physically see that they have one shoulder cranked up and they're like, coach, like, I don't know what's going on with the shoulder dude. And it's like, you don't know, like you carry one hockey stick above like it's it's a completely different pattern right so it's 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 such a good question because it's one of those things where it's like it is probably the most asymmetrical sport unless you're throwing a ball right like it's the most asymmetrical sport because everything you do is like favored towards one side right so it's one of those things like if you're throwing a ball obviously you have that overuse which is natural right you work with pitchers and you see it's like they're completely jacked up on one side but for some reason people don't think that your arm swings completely different with a stick for is a non right like and and it's kind of coming at a 45 degree angle they're coming at two different positions though right because you're naturally holding something it's like you can't help but to have a different arm swing you have two hands on your stick well one's jacked up one's down you shoot right like you're expressing power all with one side and, and then it's you know kind of it's an accessory through the other side so it's yeah it's one of those things where it's a huge issue in hockey players both in upper and lower body because then you start to think of like a defenseman who's always making that kind of middle fold well, okay, well, that means if I'm playing a right side defenseman, I have that like aggressive C cut with my left side every single time. Well, it's like, okay, well, that's eventually going to do some sort of hip, you know, kind of asymmetrical balance at a certain point. So yeah, to answer your question, yes, asymmetrical, you know, imbalances in hockey is outrageous. And it's one of those things where it's like, it's a lot of players think like, okay, well, I'm going to train the other side then. And it's like, it's not really the way to attack that. It's why so much of our training is uh, unilateral in meaning that it's like we're working a single leg or a single arm at a time because we're trying to have that strength where it's like, you can see, you know, if you were to, to bench press and you're in a bilateral nature, it's like you, you're recruiting the whole chain, right? So it's like both sides are working at the same time. You're not really addressing that uh, difference. Now all of a sudden you're doing a bench press with two dumbbells. It's like, okay, well, this arm has to express the same force as this arm. Right. So it's like, even if I'm just doing eight reps, it's like, okay, well, this arm, this weaker one is getting way strong. It's like had a way more intense strength demand. So it has to kind of pull myself up. Uh, same thing in the lower body. It's, it's why if you look through our programs, it's like, we're so heavy in lunges. We're so heavy in single leg uh, RDLs versus even just the traditional deadlift. Like it's one of those things where like, if we were to put together just a single workout for hockey players to just singularly do once. And like, that was it for them it would be almost all unilateral. Like, I'm not sure what I would include bilateral that, you know, would, would kind of make the cut. Right. So I personally, huge unilateral guy, I think it's one of those things where it's like, it's what trains all the chains, right. Truthfully. Um, 
you know, and then has that core demand. Like it's your body's never working bilaterally for the most part, unless you're jumping. But for hockey players, especially, it's like you're always expressing force. You have these, uh, you know, imbalances. It's one of those things that you have to be uh, aggressive and training, you know, unilaterally more than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. That makes me think of also like I was thinking upper body being asymmetrical because of the way that we use the stick. But I mean, lower body for me, I, I have one leg that's so much more dominant than the other. I could tell when I'm skating, like walking around, I can't tell yeah. but when I'm skating. I'm like, oh, yeah, like with my my like my right leg is awesome like it's my right leg's a great hockey player <laughs> yeah and my my yeah. left leg it's just like ah the edges just aren't really as yeah. good <laughs> yeah. you know so like i i compensate yeah. when i'm stopping one way like when i'm stopping with my left foot outward my inner leg mm -hmm. my right leg is doing a lot of the work and uh yeah so, so i'm like how do i and i guess this is just asking for i'm getting some free advice from a trainer here from a strength <laughs> yeah. and conditioning coach but how would you like i i get doing the unilateral work but would it be a bad idea to put a little more emphasis or focus or more reps on that weaker leg? Or is that a good idea? In the gym, I don't love it. Cause it's one of those things where it's like, if you're doing eight reps and eight reps on both sides, it's like the, there is such a more, you gotta think if one is 20% weaker, right. Then now all of a sudden it has that 20% more of a strength demand, right? So it doesn't really need to get banged up with extra reps for the most part. On the ice, it's like, yeah, you got to attack that, right? And that's that's kind of like one of those things, like as a motor skill more than anything, right? It's like, but it's it's like that having a, a bad leg, which is not just a beer league trade, dude. Like you see these players at high level, where it's like, are you just never stopping on your right side, yeah. man? Like how are you always <laughs> yeah. finding that that left leg? But it's like you, it's natural. We're ingrained to like we we're automatic. So it's one of those things where it's like, okay, well you have at all levels. Uh, a favorite side, right? You're going to it, you're compensating around it. Um, so it's like, all, you know, players at all level have these same things. So on the ice, it's one of those things like you have to attack, right? Both sides. And it's like, you have to, that's where it's like, okay, let's do a couple extra reps on that non uh, dominant side, whether it is like a, a cut, tight turn, like stop, whatever it is. But in the gym, it's like, it's not, uh, you know, not necessarily needed. Yeah. I never really did it, but I always wondered if I should. And, and even with like, I have one of those, yeah. uh, the balance discs, little inflatable balance discs. Yeah. And I do like those one legged balance. Uh, like I'll put like 90 seconds in the iPhone and just stand on one leg. And I've always wondered yeah. like, should I do a little longer in the left leg? Like, I don't know if I should, <laughs> but yeah, I guess yeah. that, uh, that answers that. And then also like uh, speaking with the, the, the bad knees, one thing I used to love training explosiveness. It's like, I used to do so many box jumps, I used to do backflips. Like I, I was, I was a little nutty, but, um, yeah. probably why I have bad knees. But uh, I, I want to continue training the explosiveness, but it's just the, the impact that a lot of the times those drills um, uh, result in on the knees. I just, I kind of been like getting away from it. I mean, I'll do some that doesn't require the impact, like some, like, I don't know, like a quick explosive kettlebell swing or something like that seems to help. But is there yeah. more things that, that you think I could do there that wouldn't aggravate the knees that still trains the explosiveness? Yeah. So, I mean, this is often like one of those issues where it's like, are you firing properly? Right. right. And I know that's like a vague question, but no, it's one of those no, things where like a lot of, I think the answer is no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'm like being played because the answer is no. Right. So right, it's like, right, right. Yeah. Uh, a, a lot of, a lot of hockey players and a lot of athletes and a lot of just people in general, like they're, they naturally kind of fire from the quads because it's so much easier. Right. It's, it's, it's just a muscle group that it's, we find the patterns much easier when we seem to be quad dominant. It is what causes a lot of those knee issues, right? It's, it's that we're overloading 
the quads and maybe it's it's and this isn't talking about like the structural issues right there are like mcl like that kind of stuff i'm away from but more the majority of knee pain is usually just tight quads right it's tight musculature around the knee it's kind of pulling things in one sort of direction which then gets a little gnarly right so if we're if we're talking about that specifically um it's one of those things where it's like hey like let's uh, let's start to wire and fire a little bit better, right? And so we'll get rid of things like box jumps and landings. I mean, we practice uh, single leg landings, double leg landings a lot in all of our pro programs. And it's not a land, it's not a land and jump, right? Where it's like, hey, we're putting a ton of pressure on that, you know, kind of explosion up. Um, it's truly just like, let's find the movement pattern that you should be using when you're landing because it's kind of retraining those chains. So let's scrap that even right and call that like hey that's still too much pressure on my knees um which i think like that would be a great kind of first step for you is like let's practice some landing and let's practice finding that movement in my hips where i can deliberately load the glutes which is the entire goal of all of this is like hey let's get out of being hip or let's get out of being knee dominant and get into being hip dominant and so if that's the goal uh whether it's hockey or basketball or anything else it's like we find that a lot of uh, athletes love kind of a lateral expression to express power, right? Because it's not, there's no, there's no kind of forward shearing force, right? And landing. So if I'm jumping in a broad jump, I'm jumping as straight as I can. It's like, I, I kind of have this landing, but I have, the, I need to stop my forward momentum. And so there's a bit of a shear on the knee. We're jumping as laterally as explosive as possible. It's like, we don't, we're landing in another position where it's like, hey, I'm taking a lateral jump and I'm landing in a position that I'm naturally loading up my hip in. Right. So it's like, okay, well now we're using completely different chains and we're using the chains that we're supposed to be using, right? Like we're supposed to try that, you know, find that hip dominant because the glutes are just the fire power. Like they're so much stronger, so much better at expressing power than the quads. Right. So it's something like we use something called a half meal jump. You might've seen where it's like, you're starting down in a half meal and you're, so it's like you're, you automatically are starting with like your hip at like your knees at 90 and you're deliberately kind of loading into that glute. And then you're expressing as much force as you can laterally. Right. And then just landing softly and then kind of resetting on the other side. So it's like, it really is a maximum contraction with almost no uh, knee force, right. A landing, but like you could eliminate that if you really, if they're really bad, like a double leg landing. So it's one of those things that like you can work around it. You can still express power. And it is one of those things like, as you're not using it, you are losing. As unfortunate as that is, it's like, if, if you can't find it, it's like, okay, well, you're not going to find it, you know, in, in a decade from now, right? Unless you're, you, you know, so it's one of those things that I, I, I'm always cautious with players being like, oh, I can't do that anymore. It's like, okay, we need to find another way to, to, to move around that dude. Cause otherwise like you're not, that capacity is not coming back. Right. So um, it's like the, the hip thrust, like the, the kettlebell swings, like explosive power stuff like that. Amazing. Where it's, again, you're getting like hip dominant, glute dominant. Um, but there is still a way to do like that plyometric, like jump kind of explosive based training um, without just like beating the crap out of your knees. Right. Yeah. Are you seeing a lot of uh, with hockey players in particular, the, going back to asymmetry, are, we, are, are hockey players more quad dominant than say hamstring or glute dominant? Or are we, is there like tighter quads that you see across the board or is it kind of vary? This is one of the few things that actually varies in hockey players. Usually they come in, you do a medical and you see like, my God, you guys are all the exact same. Um, this is actually something that's kind of different. And it, it is more of a motor skill thing, right? Where it's like, how active are you, are you recruiting your, your glutes and your hips? Um, but when you look at the best skaters in the world, they're all super low, right? And they're all hip dominant, like 100% hip dominant because it's where all the power comes from. So 
is there a, uh, you know, saying that it's like, it's very easy to skate with your quads, right? Where it's like, it's, it's a little bit of a taller position. It's, it's kind of a, a more, uh, vastly like you don't have to be as low. You don't have to be as aggressive for, to get that, you know, clean, perfect kind of expression from the hip. So we do see a lot of players come in and they're, they're quad dominant. Um, and it's like, Hey, like we got to fix that and you'll immediately find speed, right? Regardless of what level you're at. It's like if you're a decent skater and we can kind of switch that motor pattern to being more hip dominant, like you're going to find more speed. So um, it is something we see. I'm not going to say it's like, oh, we see so much more quad dominant players than uh, hip dominant players, but it's like it exists. Now, you know, because it's such a like a glute and quad kind of focus, it's like a lot of hamstrings are like what you would call inactive, um, you know, especially in, in hockey players, because it's one of those things where it's like you look at a sprinter. Uh, even you look at like a football player where they do have those sprints and they have those starts and stops. It's like the hamstring is actively pulling, right. Or there's their deceleration. They're actively like flexing against their, like there's so much hamstring work uh, in sprint mechanics where we don't necessarily have that in hockey. So hockey players can often be like poor recruiters of their hamstrings. Um, and that is something we, we just kind of universally see across the board. And it's something that we'll like be active in. Right. And it, you look at our programs like we do have a lot of, um, kind of like eccentric hamstring work, like sliders and stuff like that. Um, and it's for that purpose. It's like, we need to, at least they're all strong, right. Yeah. But it's like, Hey, like we got to get uh, reactivated. Sure. Yeah. And I'm just thinking of a podcast I listened to a long time ago. I can't remember who it was. It might've been on spit and chicklets. I want to say it was one of the prominent uh, strength and conditioning coach guys in the NHL. might've been Gary Roberts. It might've been Andy O'Brien, I think is Sidney Crosby's uh, coach. Um, yeah. whoever it was, it might not have been one of those guys either way. Um, I remember them yeah. saying, I don't have my guys use a stationary bike, never use a stationary bike. And I, if I remember correctly, it had something to do with it. It's too, to uh, focus on the quads and it, it doesn't apply to hockey players or something like that. And I, was, I thought it was weird. It's like, oh, I never heard of that. I never came across anything yeah. like that. That sounds like a Rob's thing to say. So, uh, I mean, look, it's, it's one of those things where, it's actually the most translatable, right? So if you actually, and they've done the studies where it's like the same muscle recruitment that is done in like intensive bike work are the closest replicated movement on, on ice skating. Really? So it's, they're actually too similar is what the issue is, right? Uh, yeah. So oh, you see yes. players that just like okay. jump on the bike. It's coming back to me now. Themselves. That's what he said. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. And so it's like they, they're back in that flexed hip position. And it's like they're just doing more and more work in that exact same position. Right. So even you get out and sprint, it's like, okay, we're at least finding a new movement pattern. But it's like guys get off the ice an hour, two hour practice, and then they jump on the bike for 30 minutes or more. Like it's it's just it's work in a position that we we don't want to be putting more work in. Again, diminishing returns at that point. A hundred percent. Cause it's, it's like what you were talking about with that flex hip position. It's like back to sitting all day. So imagine like getting your, you're in this flex hip position, all practice. And then it's like, you're going to go sit at a desk basically and spin, right. And do some more work. And so it's like, it's, it's one of those things where it's, I find uh, it can be a useful tool. You go look at any pro dressing room, they all have bikes, right? But it's usually like a quick, like, let's get the blood going because I don't want to run because hockey, a lot of players have aversions to running, right? So it's like, I'm going to hop on the bike two minutes, get going, and then I'm going to get into some, some work. But, uh, you know, there's, it's super old school for, for players to just like jump on bikes and I'm going to go get a hot, like a, a banger, you know, bike conditioning workout. And, it's something players are always asking us for is like, can you send me some bike workouts? It's like, ah, you know, if you have no access to a field, no treadmill, like don't really want to do any body weight work. Sure. I'll send you a bike workout, but 
it's low on the list. Hockey players shouldn't be getting Peloton. No, like <laughs> absolutely not. No. Yeah, I think our, uh, there's some crazy stories about Chris Chelios doing these like hour long stationary bike rides in in the sauna. You heard those stories yeah, about it? Yeah. <laughs> there's a, there's a lot of story, crazy stories about Chris Chelios in general, man. Yeah. <laughs> Between him and Rob Brendamore, and like you still see Rob Brendamore, and he's like just absolutely like chiseled out of his mind, and he's like. Yeah. But again, like it was a, a completely different era of strength, conditioning and fitness, right? Where it's like a lot of players like that. I mean, it was still an era where some guys hacked darts right after, after the game. So it's it's like it's a completely I mean, those that style, if we want to compare like what was better for the player at the time, like the right. So it's uh, not even just hacking darts. Like a lot of guys just didn't really train and then just bagged themselves in September, right. To get in shape for two weeks at training camp. So it's uh, I mean, the guys like that, the, the absolutely. And I mean, Charlie, I think was probably the early in that, like, Oh my God, fitness freak kind of, you know, generation. But I mean, you look back, man, like there's some photos of, uh, of even Gordy, but you look back at Tim Horton, like Tim Horton is absolutely jacked out of his mind, man. Right. So it's like guys tell these stories of like, Oh, you know, like the old school guys in need to work out. And it's like, first of all, that was 40 years ago, dude. Like you're right. But it's uh, you can find pictures. We posted on, on Instagram of like Bobby Orris doing squats in the, in the summer. Like you go find a, there's a, there's a photo I have in my mind right now of Tim Horton, like holding a fish. And he's just like, would be a top 10, like fit player in the NHL right now. So it's like, these myths of hockey players not being in shape in the former years were, I think, overstated a little bit. But it's like there was also like Coca-Cola on the bench and darts between periods. And stuff. Right. So I know like, exactly what picture mix. you're talking about with Gordy Howe. I read his book recently and it's in yeah. his book and he's holding up yeah. a fish. Okay. His, his forearm. That's it. His forearm looks like my yeah, torso. Man. It's like this massive yeah. forearm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 He, was, he was a beast. Um, and I, I remember coming, I, cause thinking of Chris Chelios, the bike ride and the sauna, like he probably was getting more benefit from the sauna than just the crazy thing that he was doing. And I remember yeah. hearing a podcast, I think it was, uh, Rick Rubin and Tim Ferriss and Rick Rubin, the music producer, uh, was talking about how he does the sauna, like an hour a day or just like just crazy amounts of time and uh, sitting in a sauna. And he's like, yeah, my, my good friend, Chris Chelios credits this to the longevity <laughs> of his career. And it's what like saved yeah. his joints. Like, yeah. These guys were nuts and there was no science to back it up at that point. He's just like, Hey, this works for me. Right. Like today yeah. it's very dialed I mean, in. And yeah. Which I mean, sauna is an unbelievable tool. First of all, that, that's probably the weirdest friend combination. Yeah. Like. <laughs> very weird. Yeah. <laughs> Rick Rubin and Chris Chelios. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, sauna, that should be in more dressing rooms. Right. I'd be surprised if it really worked in some of the Nordic teams. Right. But uh, yeah, the, I mean, the bike in the sauna, it's like, you know, do you just want to sweat, much. dude? Right. Yeah. But yeah. yeah but uh I don't know. Overall, it's like it was a better approach than just like going home, right? Like putting in some extra work is usually sure. better. But uh, the bike in general, it's like there's, there's better things in the in the modern yeah. day. Yeah. Um, and it's also uh, uh, I'm thinking of the last episode I did with JVR and he was talking about saunas, ice baths. And he I don't know if you had listened to it, but he, he kind of went in on breath work and his, his breathing exercises. Mm -hmm. are, are, how familiar are you with that world? Because I know it's a little more like I don't know if you're in it. Esoteric. It's, yeah, it's a little more esoteric. It's a little more left field, I feel like. But it's come it's becoming a little popular, like you're seeing a lot of it. Um, and actually, after it I is. did after I did that episode. 
I looked up a Wim Hof video and I started doing these breathing exercises and I texted Van Riemsdyk. I'm like, Hey bud, I'm doing yeah. these. This is really weird, man. <laughs> he's like, yeah. yeah. He's like, keep doing it, man. There's a lot of benefits. It's like, all right. I'm like three weeks into it. And it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah, you want to talk esoteric. I think uh, Wim Hof is probably a great place to start. Right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, look, I think it's, it's one of those things where like, there's always a handful of players that are on the cutting edge. And I, I would say J, like JBR is absolutely one of them. Right. Um, it's like, I think a lot of this stuff is going to be mainstream in, in five years. So I think all of that stuff from the breath work to, you know, the saunas to, I, I would say cold tubs are fairly universal now in, in the show and in most leagues, but, uh, I think all of that stuff has its, its absolute place. And I think it's one of those things where it's all investments, right? Like it's, it's not fun to be in the ice tub. It's not even so fun to be in the sauna. If you're, if you're really dialed in the sauna life, it's like, it's, it gets not fun anymore, but it's like, it's, it's what is the cost of being a pro. Um, absolutely. And then it's what's, it's the cost of just being, uh, you know, at your peak performance. Right. And that's whatever you want it to be. You know, maybe it is you wanting to play better, you know, beer league hockey, or it is a guy in the show. Right. So breath work, I'd say absolutely has a, has a role. Um, it's something that I've been super interested in. Something that I'm obsessing with right now is there's a book by James Nestor breathe. Um, maybe it's breath. I think that, I guess they're spelled the same, but, uh, but yeah, yeah. Okay. My guy. Yeah. Yeah. So good, man. Like so good. So yeah, I just super, got it. I haven't super read it. Yet. Good. And I think that's that's going to be something that's super interesting because it's something that I've been. So I've always been a heart rate uh, sensor guy. I'm a big fan of it. I got into it when I was playing in junior. Uh, we all got them, and I was like, "This is stupid." And then I got super into it, where it's like all of my training, like I'm seeing what's causing my peaks and, and valleys, right? So uh, early on, I realized, well, wow, like my heart rate is is going on a much higher level when I'm nose breathing. Right. And it's like, okay, well that that's, I can be doing the same level of work. Let's, let's not call it on a bike, but let's say I'm on a treadmill. It's like, I can be doing the same level of work and nose breathing. And my system is having to be able to better process oxygen. Right. I, I have to kind of develop better systems, only nose breathing as opposed to like, just like getting that, you know, gnarly mouth breathing gas in. Right. So it's stuff like that where it's as the science yeah. community is starting to come a little bit more mainstream, right? Like you look at some of the, there's so many guys right now that are putting just unbelievable content. That's not, I don't even want to call it fringe, but it's so like ahead of the time, right? Like you look at uh, Matt Walker, you know, the PhD yeah. who's, who's on sleep right now, like Andrew Huberman, who's putting out stuff on supplements and sleep and light. Yep. You're talking my stuff right now, man. These are all the guys that I consume yeah. content I mean, from look, all like the time. <laughs> five years ago, they would have been fringe, right? Like they would have been the, oh, like a little nutty, like oh, this guy's talking about looking at the sun, you know, to, to optimize your sleep. Like, all right, man, like, you know, they're biohackers. <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like, okay, well, that, that now has been proven out both in academia and with high performers, right? So it's, you're going to get to a, a level where it's like, it's, it's mainstream. Not only is it mainstream in conversations like this, but it's also going to be mainstream in the younger athletes. And so it, it's just coming up. And you, you want to see a guy that got dialed in with some of the stuff. It's Nathan McKinnon. He was, he came off those couple of years where he was really slumping. And he went all in on every aspect of his life, right down to like the blood work and seeing how he was metabolizing different foods. And he attributes that. And it means he was uh, an insanely generationally talented player to begin with. Right. You know, if you'd watched him in junior, but uh, 
he attributes to getting serious about that stuff is like rebooting his career. So it's one of those things as you start to hear more stories like that, it's like it, it will become mainstream that it's not going to be considered biohacking. It's going to be considered like the essential of performance. If you're serious about your game and just, you know, serious about being a high performer in life. Yeah. Um, so one, uh, one thing that I, I really wanted to touch on was the difference between static stretching mm. and dynamic stretching. Um, cause I think it, I've been coming across a lot of stuff of like not wanting to, you shouldn't be doing these static stretches as an athlete. Maybe you're over lengthening these muscles or is yeah, that I mean, dude, to that? Like you gotta be doing so much, you know, like it's one of those things where you, people see it or they see it in a, a study, right. Where it's like, it can lead to this. And it's like, okay, right. Like in theory, right. It's the same theory that red wine can be, you know, anti-cancer cause, right. Like it's like, okay, did you look at how much red wine? Like, so, I mean, look, I, I think there's very few players that will ever get to the point where they're overstretching, Right. Um, and the point of overstretching is like, you wouldn't have the functional strength in that end range. Right. So that's the only problem where it, you know, is when it would become a problem is if you can't control a range with absolute strength, then you're putting yourself in, in a vulnerable position for injury. Right. Um, but until that point, it's like, you know, 98 out of a hundred are going to be too tight. Right. Um, the only time we'll see a hockey player specifically, and, and I've worked multi-athlete, right? Like I've, I've seen kind of across the board and much more common volleyball players. But the only thing that we've seen in, in hockey players is if they're super tall, they can start to have that hypermobility um, where they don't have the, the strength in some of those end ranges. And so they can be vulnerable to injury, right? So can you do too much static stretching? Yes, absolutely. In theory. In practicality, I have never seen a player that's, you know, stretches too much. Now, you know, if we were to use a case study, it's like maybe the, the most applicable this, that this would be, this conversation for, uh, would be for goalies, right? So it's it's one of those things where like a lot of goalies love to do that, those groin stretches, right? And it's like, oh, I've got to do the cross-crease cross save. Um, but it's like if you don't have that, that functional range of, of mobility to be able to control that range, boom, you're in, in a vulnerable position, right? But the average player, like no chance. Now, should they spend more time static stretching then? No, right? Like I find there's far greater ROI in the dynamic stuff, right? There's a couple of, of static things that I really like. And it's it's one of those things, like obviously I've, I've tested this all out of myself as a hockey player that was kind of broken up too, right? So um, ankles, I find respond super well to like two minute holds. Right. So that's kind of beyond a static stretch. Like that's a long hold, right? Like two to four minutes. And if you look at the work of, of Kelly Starrett, like he likes the squat hold that you're in like a deep kind of squat chest is up. You're not rounded over the like chest is up. You're in a deep squat hold for up to four minutes. Right. Um, which is dude gnarly. Like Was most people are like, guy? yeah, mobility. Yeah, yeah. Guy. Who's super, super sharp. Right. And it's like, I absolutely love his stuff. Um, definitely an early influence for me as a strength coach, but like a four minute hold is like, you will see the effects truthfully. Right. Like, and so it's like, okay, well, there's a couple of holds that one I find will loosen up almost everything through that, like low back hip area. Uh, that's like a, a short hold, uh, two to four minutes. Like you'll see some instant relief a hundred percent. Right. So it's one of those things like throwing some Netflix and you're laughing, uh, the ankles so like toes up and have like some sort of whether it's a block a foam roller anything under it you can hold two minutes you're gonna see immediate relief 
Um, and then the couch stretch, the one where it's like you have one leg back, like on the back of a couch, basically again, the hips, the hips respond. I find super well, like a two minute hold. Um, it's not just a toe touch, right. Or, or kind of doing some sort of super static stretch, but there are certain things in certain cases where if you're overly tight in a region, it's like a long hold can be super helpful. Yeah. Is there a time and place for those things? Like for instance, like before a game or let's say game day, even if it's hours before, like, do you want to do those things or is it, do you, would you want to focus more on the dynamic and mobility stuff as opposed to the long holds or does it even matter? Yeah. I mean, look, time and place for everything. Right. Yeah. But it, it's, yeah. So, I mean, I, I would stay away from the static on game day, truthfully. Now there is like some research that's emerging that's showing that like uh, a stretched range. So a, a muscle that's at kind of its optimal or kind of beyond range isn't expressing as much strength and power. Right. So it's, it's that case where it's like, okay, I, I probably don't want to be at my most flexible the day of a game. Right. Simple as that. Um, Cause there is a diminishing return on power. Now, uh, is there a place for a player that's maybe crazy tight? Maybe. Right. But I would say like, Hey, like let's focus on the, on the dynamic work. Right. That's where, you know, as much as we've been talking about static, it's like really all the ROI is in the dynamic work, right? So it is like activating and then creating that range. And, you know, the, if, if you were serious about looking at mobility, it's like the functional range conditioning stuff, um, which is kind of turned into its own like kind of certification course, but it's really just expressing as much range as possible in, in a joint, like reclaiming that range, getting forceful through an entire range. Like that stuff is probably 10x more valuable than just like a static stretch, right? Which is kind of going at the same philosophy of like, hey, like let's create a range and then try and hold it or get a little bit past it where it's like, let, we can do that actively, right? If, if you want to call it a hip where it's like, a lift off and just like getting as gnarly and as mean as possible for the whole range. But at the same time, we're then training the, you know, to control that range, right. Where the static might not have that element. Right. So on game day to, to actually answer your question and not just go off another tangent, it's like game day, I'd say like, why not just focus on some active and, and dynamic stuff, right. Instead of the static stuff. Good to know. I got a game tonight. So I'll, uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, and speaking of time and place, uh, we, we had touched on ice baths. I do remember coming across numerous times how ice baths are actually a pretty bad idea uh, after a workout, right? Like you're gonna, you're kind of reducing the inflammation that you, you that the wear and tear of that workout that you're supposed to have, right? The tears in the muscles. Is, is there merit to that that you're aware of? Uh, yeah, man, like again, these are these are some tough questions, right? Because it's like it, it genuinely. <laughs> it's a great question because it's, it's not something that there's like a clear yeah, answer, yeah. right? So it's, I'm sorry. It's a great question. It's a tough I got answer. You. So I am, I'm pro when it's, it's like you you've been beat up. Right. But it's like, you're not actually doing it for the muscle. Uh, you're more so doing it for like that, uh, effort, like the rush of it, right. To kind of get that boost. And then you're also icing joints, right? So it's like, you can't just like go home, throw an ice pack on your entire body. Right. Which right? I try so, to do a lot. Um, <laughs> you're right. So yeah. Yeah. But it's one of those things like, you're not, it's, you're right in that it's like, you're, you're decreasing that the positive inflammation that comes from a workout, right? Like you, you've just done, you know, a, an intense lower body workout. You don't necessarily want to jump in an ice bath. You want that kind of uh, white blood flow, like you want all that activity, right? Of where it's like, it's, it's unhealthy for a little bit because your body is recruiting everything it needs to become more healthy. Right. And the ice bath kind of throws like a, 
a mute on that, right? It's like, let's turn down the volume of that response, right? Which is not ideal. It's like taking, uh, you know, Advil after a workout, same thing. It's like you're decreasing your body's natural inflammation to be able to heal and recover. Uh, you could even say high dose vitamin C after a workout, right? Like it's, it goes against the natural kind of inflammation that's you want in your body to be able to respond to, you know, a, a, an outside stimulus and thus grow. Um, I like them at, if you've been beat up, right? So I, I really do feel like, uh, an NHL player finishing a game who just played 30 minutes and just got absolutely banged around. They, they just, they're going to feel it tomorrow. Ice bath. Why not? Especially because they got a game in like 24 to 48 hours. Yeah. And that's where it's, it's like, okay, well, it's your sole job to kind of boost that response, right? Like that immune response to, to recovering overall. Like I, I love ice, ice tub. Like I'm, if we're dividing into teams right now, like I'm pro ice tub. Um, which not everyone is, but it's, it does, I find like more than anything and, and maybe the research is split, but I find guys just feel fresher. Yeah. Right. So it's one of those things. It's like, if it, if you feel it right. And you just feel it like, Hey, like my joints are a little cranky without it. Then it's like, why would you not commit to a practice that is helping yeah. you? Right. So, I mean, like it's a tough, yeah. tough hey. answer. Like no, that, was like, that was good. <laughs> that was good. That was a great answer. It's like, it's funny. Cause you said, the not just the the benefits that you get from uh you know the inflammation and all that but also that the rush that you get from it and maybe the circulation and whatnot and i feel like a, a cold shower is more brutal than an ice bath i don't know if you agree but a cold shower for me it's just because like it's hitting in one place and like every so when you move yeah. it hits another spot it hits your back hits your arm and it's yeah. where the bath once i'm in it and then like 15 seconds goes by and i can just chill for like 10 15 minutes and i'm good but yeah but yeah, I, 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 I love them. I still try to throw in a, a, an ice bath or a cold shower every now and then throughout the week. And I, I feel like I get a lot of benefit from it, yeah. but that's always been in the back of my mind. See, I'm one of the, the, you know, the layman's guy that just like comes across a, a headline. I'm like, Oh shit, I got to stop taking ice baths. It's ruining my gains. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which it's like, it's, it's, it's tough when it's this world specifically, right? Because there's, there's academia we're also playing where there is studies that are coming out, which is like, oh, well, it decreases this, you know, this, this, this. And it's like, ah, oh, yeah, like, okay, well, that makes sense. But then it's like, okay, well, you know, guys love it. They do do respond to it. So it's kind of this like mix, especially in strength and conditioning or fitness or whatever world you want to call this. It's like, there is a mix between academia saying like, hey, it's, it, it causes this mechanism and real world being like, yeah, but it's, it's creating a positive response, right? So it's kind of this like conflicting data sometimes, but then you like dive deep into the data and it's like, okay, well, you know what? Like that was one study. There's also three more that say, you know, it's, it's great, right? It's, it's causing this, this, and this. And so it's tough. It's a tough time right now. It's tough right now. It's like a practitioner. Yeah, I'm sure. Cause most people don't dive deep into the data and you do. So guys like me just see a headline and I'm like, Oh, that's yeah. truth. And <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, I mean, same thing with, with diet, right? I mean, like eggs are good, eggs are bad. Mm -hmm. I mean, you see, you see a, a counter argument to every argument or every study and it's just, it's hard to filter through all of that. Um, so I'm yeah. sure as uh, yeah. you know, with, with, uh, your job and what you're doing and you're, you're dealing with, uh, athletes, it's, it's gotta be a little difficult to, to convey some of those, those messages to them and the, yeah, um, I'll, I'll make sure not to take an ice bath right before the game. I think that's a bad idea tonight. Right. But maybe tomorrow, <laughs> dude, hold on. There's. I forget who it is though, man. It's a player in the Leafs and they, they do a, a ice tub between every period. You're going to have to <laughs> really? look this one up and <laughs> include it in show notes or something because there is a, there is an active NHL player 
that does ice tubs in between every period. And it's when I read it, I was like, that is the gnarliest thing That's I've ever heard. Nutty. I thought it was a joke. Yeah, but they they fully like get unchanged. They do a nice tub. They get rechanged. They go out for. I mean, I, I I you can find. I guess it. I I get like the rush you'd get from it and it wakes you up a bit, but it seems like I'd feel so stiff and cold and you know. Yeah, you would think that's not what I'm recommending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, right, yeah. right. Um, cool. So uh, a couple more questions. I, I I mean, before I get into it, I appreciate your time. I don't I don't want to be disrespectful of your time here, but um, and the the last couple of questions I want to get into are. Uh, sports equipment and some supplements and specifically the, the very dumb cliche scenario of if I was to drop you in a deserted Island and you're going to train for, for a season that's going to start in like a month. Right. So what are the three pieces of exercise equipment you take with you? Yeah. So first of all, not a, not as dumb as, as a question as you think is we've worked with players at relentless who like midsummer just go up to cottages and it's like, okay, man, like, where's the closest gym? And they're like, I don't know, like 45 an hour away. And it's like, okay, so what are we doing for training? So it's one of those things where it's like, you need to be as resourceful as, as possible sometimes, whether you're training athletes or train yourself, right? We've had players that have been stuck in hotels. There's one player that was stuck in a hotel, man, with no gym in the entire city. Like it was a France, like some European towns just aren't like, they don't have gyms. So to answer your question, and I, I hope this wasn't meant to be a rapid. No, no, not at all. No, I'm go it long here. Go into you, it. But, you can be more than three uh, if you want. I just yeah. want to know what you take with you. Yeah. So first of all, like if, if again, if I didn't have to carry this, I'd definitely say like a kettlebell would be number one. Um, you know, I think probably the most versatile tool, I think, you know, hockey player or not, like you could go so far with kettlebell swings um, as a singular exercise. If that's the question. The singular exercise is like, let's go with the kettlebell swing. But then also like asymmetrical work, you know, load up squat on one side and, and, you know, presses, like you can do a lot of good stuff with a kettlebell. Um, piece number two, like I, I might include something like a mini band, honestly, like there's, it sounds silly. Like I'm, I, maybe I should have gone with like a bench or something, you know, like a, something more standard, but um, yeah, I think that mini bands can be absolutely huge, especially for hockey players. Cause it's the perfect like activation tool. It can be tough sometimes to kind of activate those glutes, get the body really fired up. Um, and so I think it's probably like the perfect activation tool, truthfully, like all of my players have them in their hockey bags. Now, um, it's something that I'm constantly preaching is like, it's, it should be in your hockey bag. It should be in your backpack. Like it's, you know, it should be pre-practiced, like grab the mini band, like kind of activate right before you mobile. I bring them everywhere um, with me now. It's yeah. I use them a lot when I'd go to physical yeah. therapy and just all the, the, the lateral yeah. walks, the monster walks. I mean, it, it with someone who's had bad knees, it, it's been very helpful. Yeah. Huge. So I'd say probably those two, um, honestly, I'm not sure you really need it there. I mean, dumbbells would obviously be great. Like I'm not, again, I have so I've made such a push away from, uh, barbells even right. And like full racks, like stuff like that, where it's like, I'm not sure that's necessarily even needed anymore for a lot of athletes. So, um, if I could add a third, it would be something that would kind of let me maybe a, a med ball so that I could just like absolutely let it rip. Right. So, you know, stuff like med ball throws, um, you know, lateral throws, rotational throws, med ball slams. Uh, I think it'd be a good opportunity to express some power. Um, and if I'm get, getting the squeeze in a fourth or maybe call it like two a, because it's in the band family, like uh, just like a band loop basically for, for, uh, pal off presses and some chops. And I think that's good. I think really, if you had a kettlebell, uh, a band that you could do chops and kind of hook up to a wall or something like that. And 
I mean, this is a real world, right? Because so many players, like, they didn't have anything at home during COVID. It's like, if you have a single weight, you're good. And if you can hook up a band to a door, like, you're also good, right? So um, the longest answer to a rapid fire. No, it's not a rapid fire. I, I, I think that's, that's really what I was hoping for. I wanted you to go into the details <laughs> there. And because yeah. of you, actually, I got the uh, the bands, the big bands, not the, the small ones, but the big ones. Uh, whatever they're yeah. called because uh, you had posted a video about them and i'd commented on the video and you're like oh yeah these bands are awesome like all right i'm buying them and yeah they're great I, i'd never yeah. really worked with them before yeah. yeah and there's door hooks like yeah. you can you can get the door hook that's like five dollars on amazon loop it in now it's all now all of a sudden it's like you can put it in the middle of your door you got something to do pallet presses on right you put it up at the top now now you can do chops or you can do lat pull downs right so it is one of those things that's like super versatile you can create the exact same tension you could with uh a cable machine so it's it's like that's it's not fancy right but it's it almost gives players an excuse to not be fancy it's like dude like we can do a lot of work with this yeah, you're, you're reminding me of a video i watched of uh i forget what's his name um michael jordan's coach strength and conditioning coach grove grove yeah, tim, tim grover. grover um there was a, obviously an old school guy and he was kind of talking shit on the new school guys how uh, they're kind of putting a lot of focus on bands and less focus on weights. And uh, he was yeah. disagreeing with that. I don't know if you've, you've seen him uh, say that. Yeah. So first of all, like I've, I've looked at his programs. He put out a, a book that it's like 25. It's just sets of calf raises at like 25 reps. And then you basically go down on the ground and do more calf raises at different angles. Right. So to say he's not like a band guy, it's like, dude, like, what, what do you mean? Like you're just a high yeah. rep calf guy, you know? So <laughs> right. um, I don't know. Obviously, and again, like Michael got in shape, Freddie got strong, you know, I'm pro bands. I won't dig on, on Tim Grover anymore, but it's one of those things. It's like, it's almost the same thing, man. Like it's, it's like, I'm doing an activation exercise. You were doing activation exercise. We're just using kind of different, you know, modalities. Right. Um, now if a player would be like, Hey, I'm only going to use bands this season. I'd be like, ah, you know, maybe not great, but again, it's like, there's so valuable tools. It's like, how can you dig on bands when it's like, uh, you can use them so many different ways, right? So um, functional, and this is where where it gets weird again, where it's like there's those old school guys like that where it's like, oh, functional training, but it's like, okay, well, you know, is it as good as doing bench press and squats, dude? Like, you know, it's it's it gets back into that conversation. So I'm pro bands. It, it would be one of my top three, you know, top two, really. It's if you're, you know, uh, bands and then the kettlebell, you're laughing. Yeah, yeah, oh, I like it. Um and what about supplements? I, I, I know a lot of people are divided on, on the supplement world. And, uh, are you pro supplements? Are there like top three that you would take with you to, to this deserted Island that I just made up? Yeah. Yeah. God just get to choose. Yeah. <laughs> Training camp Island. Yeah. I just get to choose fitness equipment. And supplement. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, look again, this is something that I would call uh, hyper individualized, right? So I can give a, you know, what's good for me might be completely different. What's good for you. So, I mean, what I would say is that the majority of athletes, uh, magnesium deficient, right? So magnesium, vitamin D are those supplements, I guess, right. There's, there's supplementary vitamins, right. But yeah, I think those two would probably be my one, two. Um, and again, like I'm, I'm never, I've never been a player that's had to like bulk up. Right. So I wouldn't say like a protein powder, but obviously like a lot of guys struggle to get enough protein in their diet. Right. So that could be number three. Um, for right now, like I'm, I'm super interested in, in optimizing sleep. So I am using a stack with, uh, 
magnesium, uh, L-theanine, which I'm really enjoying as kind of this calm uh, stabilizer. They kind of call it like a nootropic. It sometimes uses as a nootropic, um, but I'm really enjoying that with sleep. Um, I'm also actually really enjoying that with morning coffee because they kind of uh, morning coffee can kind of get me a little too high and kind of get a little a little wavy sometimes with, with too much caffeine, um, and it kind of balances me out. So I right now that for me it, again it, we'll call athletes like hey you should be you know doing magnesium D. For me right now it's like I'm taking a mag I am taking magnesium, uh, I'm taking L-theanine. Uh, continued in that sleep stack which is actually from Andrew Kuberman is ashwagandha. Um, I am taking that as I'm kind of in this like quest to have this uh, nervous system kind of deload right now of this time of my life. Um, and that's, that's really it. I, I will take like a, a electrolyte kind of BCA, like I'm a BioSteel fan for the most part. Um, you know, there's some good supplement companies up here in Canada, like uh, Beyond Yourself, that kind of makes kind of similar style magnesium BCA kind of mixes, which I enjoy. Um, other than that, like, it's not like I'm, I don't have a vitamin kind of, you know, a whole kitchen of you gotta take this, this, this at this time, like it's uh, fairly loose. But uh, again, it's like, what are you optimizing for? Right. Fish oil would be my last one. It's like, I, I, I think is a must. For most yeah. People. Any, uh, any thoughts on creatine? I like it. I, I, I haven't needed it personally. Right. So I haven't uh, added it in my stack since I've been like a, I, previously, like when I was still playing, like it obviously when we would go through like a heavy lift phase, um, I was into it. I think it's, it's going to help you get out those last couple reps. Um, hundred percent, right? Like if, and if that's the goal is to get, you know, add some muscle and size, then I think creatine is the perfect supplement for you. Truthfully. Um, now research is saying that it's, uh, could be the perfect supplement to maintain, you know, muscle synthesis year round. Right. So it's one of those things it's, it's truly kind of depends on where you're at. I know a handful of, of high level practitioners that are using it year round. And, uh, I know some guys that have never really touched it. So I think it would depend. I, I think if you were to dive into doing like a, Hey, like I'm going to get focused in a phase one or phase two and really get focused with, with adding size and strength, it's probably the perfect supplement. Yeah. Do you think on ice it, it helps? So if it's contributing to more reps and you're off ice training, you think on ice, it could kind of do the same thing. Theoretically. Yes. I'm not sure. I think there's a point of diminishing return because obviously it's like it, it does store extra water in the muscle. Right. So it's one of those things where it's like, if you're looking at now, it's like a, Hey, I have a propulsive like body weight. I'm always trying to express more force. It's like, okay, well, is that extra kind of reps worth going up, you know, seven or eight to 10 pounds. Right. Which some, some players I've seen genuinely just start taking creatine, they're up seven pounds. Right. Which is water weight. Um, so it could have kind of diminishing returns. I would say overall, like theoretically, yes, I think it could be a great uh, supplement. Um, but it would kind of depend on your stack. And even like, I've seen players that don't really gain any water weight. So in that case, it's like, yeah, why not? Like if it's, if it does help, you know, that kind of little bit extra, then, you know, yeah, I seem not to gain any weight regardless to what I do. So <laughs> creatine or yeah. increase yeah. my calories, whatever I do. Uh, yeah. I've seen some interesting studies with creatine also, uh, where it aids in, uh, recovery for head trauma. Yeah. So I've, I've seen the early, early stuff from it. Yeah. It's been super interesting as, a uh, I mean, I mean, it's, it's also being used in a lot of studies right now around uh, aging and muscles um, and the brain actually. So it's, it is a, it's, I think we're early in creatine, right? Um, so, which is funny. It's like the most heavily researched supplement in the entire world, right? So it's, it's funny that literally it is. Um, so it's funny to say like, oh, I think the research is still early, but it's, 
it's, I'm going to say net positive, right? Where there's some things where it's like, ah, oh, it's kind of net neutral, kind of depends. But um, I would say for, for majority of people, and if it's case specific, like it is net yeah. positive. Cool. I take it, but I, I take, a, I take supplements and I don't know if it's doing anything or not. I just take them. Cause I think, I think, yeah. cause I think they <laughs> <Yeah>. are. <laughs> um, well, cool, man. La- last question for you. Are there any books or documentaries that you find yourself recommending to people? Uh, if you're a hockey guy, that latest one of the trashers is yeah. unbelievably yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the hockey cry about it is super good. Is it something I recommend? No, but it's just top of mind because I just watched it. And I was blown away. I just reached out to that guy, AJ Galante, yeah. to see if he'd do the podcast. And yeah. I haven't heard back. We'll see. I think yeah. everyone's oh reaching goodness. out to him. <laughs> yeah. 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 Amazing. Um, yeah. Top books. I think if, to be fair, if we come back and give Tim Grover some praise, um, uh, relentless with Tim Grover, I think is a really good book. Um, I, I did really enjoy that as I was playing. I think I read it and, and it is a book that's, I, I do genuinely enjoy. I think he really gets into the psychology of being that kind of next level, next level performer. Um, away from being an athlete, I, a book I've, I've read and then reread was uh, deep work by Cal Newport think is super super good um it's kind of a deep dive into basically the anti-culture right now which is so split on kind of work and focus that it's it takes a deep dive in like how you can optimize your life for just that deep work um super good and yeah yeah i mean he's academic but it's not written academically you know so it's uh i'm really enjoying that um Success Principles by the great Jack Canfield. Uh, it's one of those books that it's it never really got big hype. He's the writer for uh, he wrote the series Chicken Soup for the Soul. Uh, Success Principles so good. It's kind of a combination of you want to you want to read all of these dozens of personal development books. Like he's basically put all of it into a single book. Um, it's a book I probably reread annually um, at the very least. So I have it with me right now. Um, so a book that's that I'm a huge fan of. Um, the one thing by Gary Keller, I think would be another great one for just getting focused on, Hey, like what's the one thing I'm trying to optimize right now. Um, I, I think is a great kind of breakdown where, uh, athlete or not, like we kind of start to get pulled and like, I want to do this. I want to do this. And it's kind of getting this magic land of we're trying to optimize everything. And sometimes it is just coming back to like, what's the one thing I'm trying to get better at right now. Um, so I think that'd be, that'd be a great place to start. I think for athletes, the podcast game is so huge right now. It's like, I, I don't know, like you have to be into the podcast game, right? Cause it's like, especially like, I wish it wasn't really as big when I was playing. I think maybe it was, but like, I wasn't, I was still like a hockey meathead that maybe wasn't into podcasts at the time, but it's like I, through university and commuting to school, it's like, I think I genuinely probably took more away from podcasts from the classes I went to. Right. Um, it's, it's right now, there's like so many good and Tim Ferriss, amazing. Right. Andrew Huberman, if you're an athlete, like he's putting out so much good stuff uh, on performance. Rhonda Patrick's putting out so much good stuff on performance. Um, you can always find Matt Walker, who's the sleep guy, really enjoying him right now. Um, so there's so many good like podcasts where it's like, if you're looking to optimize performance, it's like you can almost start there, right? Instead of, you know, looking for, you know, docuseries or, or books even. Because um, it's truly like the, 10 years ago, it's like, these are all the top academics, right? That you would have to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to go to their class. And it'd kind of be just average, right? It's like, now you can listen to what they feel is the most important for an hour, right? So 
Um, super, super good in my opinion. Um, I think that's it, awesome. man. I'm, I'm trying to think what else. I'm kind of mixed between giving athlete recommendations and just like the all of it is human performer. Yeah, no, all, all of it is great. The, all of it is great. Uh, yeah. Cool, man. Kyle, thank you so much. Is it, where can people find you for you and, and Relentless Hockey? Yeah, if you want to hit me up personally, like I obviously always enjoy these style of conversations. Um, something I hope to do more of in the future, you know. But uh, yeah, Kyle Coco on both Instagram and Twitter. I think that's it. And then obviously the business, Relentless Hockey, uh, kind of across all of the socials. Uh, we're actively getting out more more content. So if you are interested in hockey training, it's like we are we're we're putting the the pedal down now to to start you know producing this knowledge base and trying to get it out as, as much as possible in the world and, and uh, just keep growing. we got lacrosse coming this, this fall and uh, the relentless family is growing. So that's where you can find me. And, and seriously, if it is kind of a hockey, you know, business, anything of that nature, like I'm, I'm open to, to conversations. Awesome. Yeah. And I love the, uh, the YouTube channel, the, the Instagram account, the short form content that you're putting out for free for people. For me, it was very helpful. So people want to find you there i'd recommend that, Appreciate that. obviously the uh, the website relentlesshockey.com kyle thank you so much man this was a blast i i, I really uh had a lot of fun so I, I appreciate you taking the time and, and hopping on here with me hey man i appreciate this i appreciate having uh conversations like this and just you know connecting with guys or kind of pushing the pace on learning new stuff right so i'm i'm flattered that i'm considered uh an expert that that's worthy of talking to but i, I do genuinely appreciate uh you and what you're up to man and, and uh it was a pleasure. Awesome. I appreciate it. Take care, man. Cheers.